0: You are listening to an emergency edition of the politicalbetting.com polling matters podcast. We interrupt the uh, seamless event of football coming home to talk about meltdown in Westminster. And it would be meltdown in this weather, wouldn't it? In the space of a short 24 hours or thereabouts, we've lost both the Brexit secretary and the foreign secretary. Both David Davis and Boris Johnson have resigned in quick succession, throwing Theresa May's Brexit plans into uh, disarray. Um, And on this show, we're going to be talking a bit about what happens next for the country and the Conservative Party, but also looking at some exclusive polling that's been published today, which you may have missed with all the drama from YouGov, looking at the views of the Tory party grassroots. So to cover this and uh, some of the other topics we're going to be talking about today, I'm joined as ever by Leo Barassi. Leo, welcome. Hello, Kieran. Of course, Leo has no interest in football coming home being Welsh, so I'm sure you're glad of the uh, distraction, aren't you?
1: (laughs) Look, I don't want to be the chippy, chippy Welshman who supports England's opponents, but I am the
0: chippy Welshman who supports England's opponents. Yeah, the uh, Croatia shirt uh, that you're wearing is uh, something to behold. Anyway, um, let's move on. So, Leo, uh, tumultuous uh, sort of 24 hours or so, isn't it? I mean, it looked so good for Theresa May uh, Friday or or over the weekend. It felt like she'd restored cabinet sort of uh, collective responsibility, but that was very short lived, wasn't it?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, it's car crash uh, TV, car crash Twitter, I guess, uh, these days now. Um, Yeah, it's I mean, we're in a kind of weird moment where um, sort of feel is this it or is it going to carry on getting worse? And um, I mean, it's hard, hard to call right now. Um, It sort of feels like at any moment it might suddenly teach you over the edge or it might just kind of stay where it is.
0: And it's been like that, I think, throughout her premiership. She's had sort of remarkable, I don't know, whether by design or by accident, she's had sort of remarkable staying power, hasn't she? Whenever you think she's about to fall over, she sort of seems to manage to roll with the punches uh, and carry on. We have a new foreign secretary uh, as as we're recording. Jeremy Hunt's a new foreign secretary. So a uh, big promotion for him. I'm sure Habib will be delighted with his long shot bet um, of Jeremy Hunt being the next prime minister. I mean, where, where do we think we are right now? I mean, Even I thought, I mean, with Boris Johnson had to go today to have any slither of credibility, and people can debate whether he has that. Um, It feels like now the Brexters really do have to to put up or shut up, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing about Theresa May's premiership is that she's spent the whole time uh, trying to balance two pretty irreconcilable sides um, by finding a compromise that, is arguably not there and whether the sort of the bulk of the party can continue to believe that there is going to be a compromise that's findable or whether in the end it just has to be a civil war between the two sides, I think is going to be the question. Um, And I think, you know, it's difficult to predict that right now. It's sort of, it could fall in either direction.
0: Yeah. It feels like the uh, leave coalition has sort of fractured apart, um, this weekend a little bit so we've got on, on, the, on the periphery if you like as in outside the conservative party you've got douglas carswell saying that um the sort of leave bre- the brexit mps as it were the tory party should take the win as he calls it i think he uses words to that effect saying look this is an opportunity to make brexit happen and we can worry about divergence and the details later on the other hand you've got nigel farage Uh, saying earlier today that he he, he has no choice uh, but to uh, stand again for the leadership of UKIP and re-enter frontline British politics if uh, if Brexit is kind of um, sort of of, um, betrayed. So it feels like action stations now, doesn't it? I mean, I think it's worth uh, the listeners uh, considering what actually needs to happen now for things to change. So Um, The Conservative Party is a little bit different to um, the Labour Party and how it does things. Essentially, what we're looking out for is this idea of a vote of confidence or no confidence uh, among Conservative MPs in Theresa May's leadership. In a nutshell, I believe it's 48 letters need to go to um, the 1922 committee um, to call for a vote of no confidence. There is this kind of strange scenario where it's not quite clear um, how many letters Graham Brady actually has um, and there's some rumours about that that number being passed. Has it been passed? Has it not been passed? We don't know. But once that 48 is passed, there can be a vote of uh, no confidence in her leadership. And my understanding uh, from some pe- reading people on Conservative Home and, and talking to people that know more about this than me is that basically she can have that vote of no confidence and she could survive it by one vote, let's say, uh, and that would keep her in, uh, in in her job and she would not be able to be challenged again for another 12 months which obviously would take her past the March uh, 19 sort of Brexit deadline of sorts depending on how you want to view the transition Um, but if she loses she can't stand in in any sort of forthcoming leadership contest so I think those are the key points for people to to consider really that the the power still seems to be with um, conservative MPs doesn't it Leo so I guess that makes it tricky for us to know for sure what's going to happen next
1: Yeah, and it's obviously interesting that you then have that unknown. It's not like a situation where you go straight to a leadership contest because a consequence of that is that anyone who would prefer May to, say, Jacob Rees-Mogg would have to enter, but still doesn't really like May that much, would have to enter a contest not knowing where it's going to end up. So it sort of feels like there's a high bar of riskiness uh, if you like, to um, uh, to vote no uh, in that vote of confidence, which clearly would uh, would help May to survive it, you'd think.
0: It feels to me like the... Um, I keep calling them the Brexiters, but I think listeners know what I mean by that, like the people that support a harder Brexit than what Theresa May is offering, basically, have to, have to do it now, though. I mean, I, I don't see... Why, why would they not have a vote? I mean, yes, okay, they might fear Jeremy Corbyn as, as Prime Minister and stuff, but on this issue, which uh, divides the Tory party so, why wouldn't they have a vote of no confidence now? It's clear to the, that, that any sort of Canada-style um, Brexit, to, to use that shorthand, isn't going to happen under her watch. So if you're someone in the Conservative Party that wants that sort of deal with, with Europe, then you have to move now, don't you? Because if you don't, Theresa May is going to be stronger and she's going to she's gonna do what she can get out of Europe, isn't she?
1: She'll, she'll get a deal, that will be the deal, and that will be how it is, right?
0: Which is what you've always said, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's. I've got to say that the last uh, 24 hours have sort of shaped my confidence in what I thought, but my instinct for my reading of what's been going on for the last few months has been that May has been quite good at sort of just staggering from one setback or negotiation to the next, and just getting to the line. And at some point she's just going to get to the line, the difficult stuff will be kicked uh, uh, down the road and she'll get something. Um, and that'll be that. And, you know, they'll, we'll carry on having to work out the details, but um, I guess I've sort of thought for a while, she'll still be there uh, when the deal is, is reached. And, um, you know, anyone who wanted something fundamentally different will then also have to deal with the fact that it's been agreed. Now, as you say, um, this f- does feel like the moment. I mean, you're not going to have two bigger uh, members of the cabinet resigning simultaneously than, uh, give or take simultaneously, than Davis and Johnson. So there's never going to be a better moment before Britain leaves the EU for this to happen, for the for the Brexiters to change the path that, that the country's on. Mm. So it does, as you say, it does feel like it's got to happen now. But... Will it? I mean, there is this risk that they um, they say it's going to be a challenge and a lot of MPs look at who could win that challenge and think, you know what, I'd rather stick with what we've got and they can't get more than 50%.
0: Yeah, and we'll come back to that in a moment. And there'll be lots of uh, more qualified people than us, of course, to talk about the inner mechanics of Westminster and who's doing what and who's resigning next and what Boris Johnson might be up to but one thing that isn't being discussed that widely tonight is this YouGov poll which I think is highly significant which looks at the views of the Conservative Party membership over over Brexit. Now of course Conservative Party members in the event that there is a leadership contest will become fundamental to the future direction of the country in the short term on Brexit because they will uh, choose between whoever the two final candidates would be in that scenario Um, for the next leader. So I think their views are highly significant, very important. So let's look at what they've said. So this was a poll, it should be said, taken by YouGov um, between the 5th and 8th of July. So this is before David Davis. And we may see another one uh, in the next week. I I wouldn't be surprised. And I think as an aside, a very brief aside, it's worth uh, mentioning to listeners that YouGov have got a very good track record with niche polling of this kind, uh, successfully calling Jeremy Corbyn's uh, victory pretty much spot on. Um, twice among Labour members no reason to think that they're not good at doing Conservative members as well so I think that 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 line is important for people to have in their mind if you're thinking how can this be you know how can this be representative so what they've done in that sort of three-day period they've um surveyed, what is it, 966 Conservative Party members. And I want to throw it over to you, Leo, and get your sort of top-line thoughts. But I think there's one thing that listeners do need to really keep in mind when we're thinking about what the, the Tory membership might, might think about this, and that is that they are pretty damn pro-Brexit. Um, let's take a couple of quick stats on that. So it, it when asked, um, you know, do you think Britain was right to leave or wrong to leave the European Union? we normally find it's pretty much neck and neck among the general public maybe a slight lead uh for wrong to leave these days maybe around the sort of 4 to 5 point mark or neck and neck among the general public among the conservative uh, grassroots it's uh, 76% uh right to leave 21% wrong to leave so yes there is still one in five tory members uh our remainers uh worth mentioning but this is a very uh this is a very very pro brexit party. Um, and when we ask, uh, you know, do you support or oppose a second referendum on uh, Britain's membership of the European Union, 82% oppose. So I think it's really important that listeners have that uh, sort of view in mind that this is a pro-Brexit party. Um, but that's that being said, Leo, what have you noticed in these numbers? Uh,
1: so the first thing to uh, bear in mind, what I say, is that um, there's a really helpful comparison with the previous YouGov poll here, which was taken 10 months ago, in September last year, um, and the data that's quite significant that it was around the time of Theresa May's speech in Florence about um, her negotiating stance, which I think felt at the time like, in retrospect, perhaps a bit of a high watermark in terms of uh, Theresa May sort of uh, giving a sense that she was, she had a plan, she knew what she was doing. So I'm going to give some numbers that are comparisons between now and then, and bear in mind that's, that's the then. Um, anyway, so um, the members still, um, in general, think that Theresa May is doing a good job as Prime Minister, so 60% to 39 Now, obviously, if that was the general public, we'd say those are fantastic numbers. For party members, that net score of plus 21 is sort of OK, but it's not fantastic. I think you'd kind of want your party members to be a bit more wholeheartedly in support of you. But what's really interesting is that that is, is really quite split between remain Mem- remain voters who are party members and leave voters who are party members so remain voters have a score of plus 58 think she's doing well leave voters have a score of just plus five uh, so really split now just bear in mind that point that kieran raised um that the party membership is is mostly leave so it's about two and a half levers for every one remainer um so They're they're the majority and and are sort of taking the party's opinion in their direction. But clearly, there is a split there. And what we see throughout the poll is essentially 10 months ago, September last year, there was very little difference between Remainers and Leavers in what they thought of the government and of Theresa May. Now, there is this big split. So, for example, on that, how uh, is she doing well or badly? Um, In September, it was 73% of Leavers said she's doing well. Now it's only fifty-two percent, and we see the same in how she's handling Brexit. So um, we have um, a net score of um, minus nineteen among all voter, among all sorry among all Conservative Party members. Um, so minus nineteen say that she's handling it badly. Um, and what's striking is that 10 months ago, that was at a, a score of plus 28. So it's been a real swing uh, since um, last autumn in terms of the members' views of how May's doing.
0: And, and, that again- fe- and that feels, Leo, I mean, just to briefly interject, that that feels to me like really important numbers to grasp, right? Because right. The, the Tory yeah. membership is saying Brexit is going badly, essentially, even though they're very, very sort of in favour of it. And to me, if there's going to be a leadership challenge contest vote of no confidence or something like that if i'm in favor of that challenge then those numbers are that my platform aren't they whether it's my individual platform uh, as a candidate or my justification for why i'm submitting that letter the grassroots agree with me that the uh, you know brexit's going badly and therefore we need to right. change of direction
1: yeah and let's be clear which direction that's coming from one of the series of later questions is the kind of brexit that they want and uh, is really striking particularly again among the leavers again and a majority of the party they much much prefer a brexit that is uh, essentially they much prefer a, a no deal brexit to a softer brexit so support for a no deal brexit among leave voting tory members is plus 47 support for a softer brexit is minus 71 so if you're consider if you're a tory mp considering a vote of no confidence in the leadership then you have a very strong mandate just uh, argument from your members who are who are concerned that the government is being too soft its brexit approach and your members are much happier with an approach that ha- runs the risk of there being no deal
0: and i think just to add to that before we move on i think there's a couple of other dynamics here so it depends on how coordinated the um again, to use that phrase, the Brexiters are on this. So what you might start seeing is Conservative associations, chairs of Conservative associations writing in, you know, um, kicking up a fuss, that sort of thing. And they're also going to be concerned about what Nigel Farage said today, I would imagine. Um, I mean, Nigel Farage has said, "I I guarantee you something along the lines of, I guarantee MPs in marginal seats, you'll lose your seats. Now, healthy dose of skepticism healthy pinch of salt as to whether he can guarantee that whether that's in his gift but that's going to be on their minds isn't it so i think that you know there is the parliamentary arithmetic which i suspect is on theresa may's in, in, in theresa may's favor but there's this outside world which the tories have learned uh with the rise of ukip that they can't ignore for long right
1: right yeah i would be interested in their take on that Uh, It's certainly the case that the demise of UKIP has uh, helped the Tories boost their polling numbers, but you've got to think that Labour MPs would also be worried about a resurgent UKIP as well. And as Labour shifts to becoming um, more more like Remain voters, whilst obviously still not having a particularly Remain-friendly policy, but essentially being more cosmopolitan, liberal, uh, international uh, internationalist, then, and and that that's a movement that is clearly or seems still to be happening and to be continuing to build over time. Then you've got to wonder how scared the Tories really would be about the revival of UKIP, particularly if they managed to do better this time at being a bit more northern and a bit more working
0: class. Mm. I want to move on to the uh, run, the sort of runners and riders or major players in the Conservative Party and what the members think of them. But before we do, let's talk about this idea of No Deal because there is some polling on on, on that, isn't there? In this um, in in this survey, and I, I, I'm I'm imagining that there's going to be increased um, sort of talk from people on the right, whether in the Conservative Party or outside, that oh, we should just walk away with No Deal, uh, and that's okay because No Deal is better than a bad deal, as someone once said. I mean, there does seem to be some appetite for that, doesn't there, among the Tory grassroots?
1: Right. Well, exactly. Um, so, this question: the government um, will it, uh, failing to agree a deal and leaving the EU without an agreement. Um, do you think that would be a good thing or a bad thing? And strikingly, forty-nine uh, percent of Tory members say good, thirty-four percent say bad. Um, I mean, really clear that there isn't this sense that uh leaving the EU on WTO terms and whatever else that involves and uh, whatever else that means I mean we're not just talking about trade here we're obviously talking about uh, things like uh air, air traffic control and uh, uh, arrangements for atomic material and whatever else you have and arrest warrants um you know the reason to sense among Tory members that the government has badly failed if it does that.
0: Mm. I want to move on to, as I mentioned a moment ago, talk about some of the um, different candidates in the leadership contest, but just generally the difference of players, if you like, in the Conservative Party. Because I, I, I have strong views on who would and wouldn't necessarily be a candidate, e.g. I don't think Ruth Davidson would be. But as a leading light in the Conservative Party, it's understandable that you know she, her, her reputation is, uh, has been polled. Um, in, in this survey, so there's a whole host of questions around this, um, but there's two I want to focus on. One says, um, Would they basically would each candidate make a good leader or, or not? Um, and the, the big, the big uh, sort of five, if you like, are that, that and this is the percentage that say they would make a good leader 62% say Javid would make a good leader, 61% say Davidson, 59% rees Mogg. So, in reality, that they're, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, 52% say Gove would make a good leader, 47% say Boris. And there are other there are other candidates, other MPs mentioned, but they all have worse poll ratings than them. So I want to hold those numbers in our thoughts for a moment. But there's also a series of um, statements, and, and we, we've got the percentage of Conservative Party members who said each of these characteristics applied to each individual candidate. So, for example, the list is they're likeable, able to win a general election, share my political outlook, up to the job, uh, of being leader i presume strong leader and competence. So these are the characteristics that um, uh, it might apply to each um, leader and i'm just going to go through uh, sort of some of them so in terms of likability boris johnson on 80 percent ruth davidson 76 jacob Rees mogg 71 these are very much and, and sajid javid on 67 i suppose too these are very much the sort of most liked individuals uh, sort of on a personal level Um, But there are some differences when we look through the rest of the numbers. And one of them, I'm sure you're going to pick out some of them too, Leo, but one of them that really struck me was this idea of being able to win a general election. Now, Ruth Davidson topped the poll with 63%, but I'm going to sort of editorialize a little bit and and, and ignore that to some degree because I just don't see how she'd end up in Parliament and and as a candidate. Outside of, so the the winning candidate, if you like, in Parliament is Sajid Javid with 61% there. Slightly ahead, but not a huge deal, of Boris Johnson on 57%. So this is the percentage of Tory members that think they could win a general election. Next on the list is Jacob Rees-Mogg with 49%, then Michael Gove with 42%. And there's a handful of others, uh, sort of sub-30%. So I'm I'm interested in this number for for one specific reason, which is that if you look at Jacob Rees-Mogg's numbers in particular on things like Shares My Political Outlook, 64%, a strong leader 64% um second only to Ruth Davidson which I really that really struck me and competent 69% uh, joint first place with Sajid Javid and Ruth Davidson you know Jacob Rees-Mogg has a he doesn't struggle for credibility among the Tory um uh Tory grassroots in many ways but on this idea of appealing to the country there does seem to be at least some recognition that he might not appeal outside the party as much as he does within it and i just wonder whether it's to Conservative MPs listening to this or, or sort of looking at these numbers separately, uh, or, or generally the members, if Jacob rees got that far, would that be significant? Because I, I've got a feeling that might hurt him.
1: So I take your point. I think my view is the answer to that is no. Fundamentally, I think that um, we can get a bit lost looking at all of these metrics, and all of these numbers, the likeable personality, the... Uh, political outlook up to the job and so on and you know the one that I think is the most tempting would be able to win a general election. The reason I say that is because there's another question that I think we can use just to cut through it all and that is simply the question where you have asked the members to rank how they would vote for each of the candidates and I get that you can argue, yeah, but in, a, in the heat of an election campaign when people were really considering the question, they might re-evaluate things. That's possible. I can see the case there. But I just think people are very good at sort of post-hoc rationalization or convincing themselves that um, they're doing something for a, a very clever reason. And in the end, generally, they kind of know what they think for some gut feeling and, uh, when you break it down, it's still not going to change it that much. And if people are saying that they're going to vote Rees-Mogg, even though some of them, uh, some of those who would say that, say, well, he he actually doesn't have a very good chance of uh, winning an election, they still are going to vote for him. They're still, what if they're telling you that they're going to vote for him? I would be inclined to believe that first. So, yeah, sure, it's interesting, but I just wouldn't. I would, I would always prefer to read the questions of
0: who you're going to vote for. But then, So what do you see in those numbers then of who, you, who you're going to vote for? So,
1: so um, that really looks to me like it's a pretty simple race at the moment between Reese Mogg and Sajid Javid. Uh, now, obviously, we've got to bear in mind um, this is not necessarily the case that these two people are going to be the ones who come to the membership. You know, it depends who the MPs are going to pick. And I don't want to speculate on that because um, other people will have a much better sense of um, who's, uh, who's got the chance of that. But it's pretty clear that um, across the rankings, there are three candidates who beat the others fairly consistently, pretty comfortably. Jacob Rees-Mogg beats everyone. Saji Javid and Ruth Davidson Pretty much tie with each other now. If we're saying that Ruth Davidson is definitely not going to be in it, which I don't know. I mean, the Tories uh, she's
0: not going to be in it. Leo,
1: they're not. They're not terrible at finding a way of um, getting a quick by election in. But I take your point. I mean, if it happens right now, then it's fairly hard to see how that happens. Anyway, um, it looks to me like it's Rhys Mogg as the um, the members' favourite leave candidate versus Sadi Javid as the member's favorite, as it were, remain candidate. Now, I guess it's likely to be that. It's likely to be one sort of Remainish person versus one leave-ish person. Um, those are the those are the two who pretty comfortably beat everyone else. And I think, um, as, as I recall, uh, in the head-to-head between those two, then I think it's 51, 49, um, Reese Mogg, uh, beats that's right. Fifty-one forty-nine. Rees beats January. It's but worth it's worth just dwelling a little bit on you know, the that's how those. Margin of error.
0: Yeah, it's worth dwelling on how those numbers are actually calculated as well. Because as as Leo alluded to, um, basically all eight candidates are listed, and then people are asked to rank them. And what the tables of the poll show is the percentage. Um, that that chose, for example, um, 29% chose Jacob Rees-Mogg as their first choice, 11% second, 9% third. Sajid Javid, 17% chose him as first choice, so that's 12 points behind um, Jacob Rees-Mogg. But he's getting more seconds and thirds, so he's getting 19% choose Sajid Javid, second, 14%, third. So I suppose in a world where there are only two candidates, um, it's quite hard to extrapolate uh, some of these numbers to that. Um, but what they've done, I believe, is they've said, right? Okay, um, they've looked at you know how basically who comes for, who comes above each other the most, and then they've got yeah. to like So in fifty-one
1: percent of right. cases, Reese Mogg is Ahead, above. Head Saji of Javid. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, um,
1: is, is it uh, perhaps should we just talk through a few of the sort of um, eye-catching things from that? Yeah, go for uh, it. It. I mean, it sort of strikes me uh, there are some sort of uh, big uh, big trends. So Boris Johnson tends to lose. Uh, He loses to most people, including Gove. Um, But Jeremy Hunt also loses. So Jeremy Hunt loses even to Boris Johnson. Um, Gavin Williamson, uh, oh, Gavin, uh, (laughs) he gets absolutely trounced. Gavin Williamson is not popular among the members. Um, He has a long way to come back if he wants to have any hope of winning a ballot of the members. Um, So... Yeah, go uh, Jeremy Jeremy Hunt um, loses badly. Gove does reasonably well ahead of ahead of Boris Johnson, Um, very clearly though. Javid, uh, Ruth Davidson, and Rhys Mogg uh, stand ahead of the rest.
0: Yeah, I I, I think I I still I'm still not sure that I agree with this idea that the whole able to win a general election thing is unimportant. But I suppose it's not
1: that I think it's unimportant. I think it's priced in. That's my point. Mm. That I think that people are already taking the, into account this question.
0: Uh, and I, I guess I've got probably a bigger question is, does, does Jacob Rees-Mogg want to be Prime Minister? I, mean, I suppose my starting point for every member of Parliament is that they've all thought of themselves as Prime Minister, so why wouldn't he? He doesn't lack for confidence or anything like that. But um, you do wonder, though, don't you, whether he's going to come from nowhere, like Corbyn, and become the next sort of Prime Minister of this country. Who knows? Um, And the mechanics of, uh, as you rightly identified earlier, the mechanics of who gets to the top two is obviously the most important thing, and we can't know that for certain. Maybe we should touch very briefly on Labour at the end. Um, obviously, they're just biding their time at the moment, aren't they? Um, I suppose uh, you know Jeremy Corbyn's tweeted today along the lines of that Labour um, you know would be more trusted to negotiate Brexit. Of course, that might be news to Labour voters, mightn't it, in a world where Labour have found themselves in power in the next six months? I mean, I suppose they'd have their own divisions maybe the other way, wouldn't they? There'd be people within the PLP or the wider Labour Party, sort of um, movement, if you like, that would want a second referendum for other reasons and maybe full single market, full EEA. So I guess but both major parties pretty divided over this stuff, right?
1: Well, it, it would be pretty easy for an incoming Labour government, I assume, uh, to effectively... <laughs> easy is a terrible word anything related to Brexit is not easy but that to one side to come in and say uh, we want an extension on article 50 because the government has done such a disastrous job of negotiating it that we basically want to restart the clock so buy themselves a bit of extra time um and then you've got to think that that would help make things a bit easier within the Labour Party to um to sort of feel like um there was going to be a bit, a bit more uh, thought into what they were aiming for. But I mean, in the end, that's not really the right question at the moment for Labour, though, is it? Because what they want to do right now is to become the government, you know, they can sort of get that and then worry about what happens next. Like, I thought Corbyn's speech today in response to Theresa May was very good. Um, and uh, he essentially framed it as the, gov- the government is failing in its duty of negotiating a good, good deal. I was honestly surprised that he didn't finish it with a, sort of provide a nice clip of saying they need to stand aside and let someone who can, uh, who can negotiate with Europe uh, take over. Um, so it's striking that they're not now saying we need we, uh, we need a general election or um you know we need a chance to get a proper negotiating team up to the table so they clearly think that this is going to get worse or this isn't the moment um mm. but sort of feels like it is a pretty good opportunity for them
0: heading for recess though so who knows Theresa may survived when she's looked weak before uh, this time last year for example uh, and um you know she's lived to tell the tales and perhaps she will again um, but that, that, those are topics we will discuss on other episodes of the Political Betting Polling Matters podcast. Thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, emergency episode. If you like what you hear, as ever, do the necessary and share us on various social media outlets. Give us a positive rating on iTunes and a comment. If it's nice, please uh, share us on Facebook and all the rest of it. As I always bore you with saying, it does help get the podcast out there and uh, we very much appreciate it. But for now, back to the sunshine and thank you for listening.